You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I'm speaking with Neveline Lindquist. Hi, Neveline. Welcome to the island. Thank you, Tony. Nice to be here. Now, I never call you Neveline, so I will call you Nev. (laughs) On the island, we like to hear about that time in people's lives when something dramatic happened to them. They either made a decision to do something that they've always wanted to do, was against the grain, was something that perhaps others might have said, don't do. Or it was just an opportunity to do something that you really wanted to do. Do you have a situation in your life where that happened? And is there a story behind it? Mm. I do have a situation like that. And it was a time um, when, oh, probably two or three years ago now, when I was doing a program called ELIAS, so which stands for Engaging Leaders Innovating Across Sectors. The program was the first of its kind, run by the Centre for Social Impact at UWA in partnership with the Presencing Institute in the US. Now, you would have done many courses in your time. Mm. You've been in the corporate world, you've Mm. been in the not-for-profit space. I'm surprised (laughs) or interested to know why something as recent as this has had such a Mm. significant impact. Is it because it was one of the most recent things you've done or was it really because it had a massive impact in the way you think? It had a massive impact in the way I think. It has, well, reshaped my thinking um, in my in, in my professional life, my personal life. It has really enhanced and validated some thoughts that I had on leadership and what it should look like. And actually, its principles and philosophies and practices are so in line with my faith. Um, I'm Christian and so in line with it that it, it's intertwined and it was life changing for me. And I call it life changing because it truly really felt that I had I was a new person during that program. Wow, that's incredibly powerful. What was it about the course that did that? Was it the simple concepts or was it? about the experience? It was both. 
it was about the concepts, it was about the experience, about the things that we did on our 10-month journey together. It was experiential learning, but it was adaptive learning also, and it actually was about deep listening. And um, that's what that's that's the part that really got me. It was about listening to the universe, listening to everything around us, observing, and then sitting in a space with that and watching for an emerging future, which that philosophy is so counterintuitive to today's leadership in this world of change where we are we are uh, constantly rushing we're constantly uh, certainly in business I think in my professional life we we default to this operational way of thinking this was in contrast of that so it it and actually when you talked about before you said what was that one thing was there a time in your life when you did something and you know maybe you weren't meant to do it or actually there was a lot of barriers for me in doing Elias in my previous workplace my CEO my then CEO she was very keen for me to do this program because obviously she recognized that there was something in me that was emerge was emerging and needed to come out um you know these programs they don't um it, it, it's it's not a, it, Elias is not a program that or a course that you go to a course you learn it you then come back to your workplace and you say right now we're going to do this it doesn't work like that so for me there were there were at the time many barriers for me if I had given in to them I actually would never have done Elias and that in itself showed me that the universe was preparing me for something something bigger and and so it was I felt like this. Um, this little seed, this little kernel that the, the, the you know the um, the skin had just fallen off me during that program. And the people I met were the same. You know, um, it was about deep listening. So that's that's what really got me about Elias. It's quite interesting that you talk about listening and holding space. Listeners to my, this podcast would have heard me talk to many of our guests about taking time, creating that white space to observe, listen and prepare creatively, emotionally for the future and, and your next step. I really like the comment you made that in our busyness around business, around life, we often default to that operational situation of just getting stuff done. And we tend to do that based on our past experience mm. as opposed to trying to understand the future and, and making and acting in a way that perhaps gets the best results for the future mm. as opposed to a reaction based on experience. So how much of that in the Elias program taught you to switch into that forward thinking process? And was that difficult to conceptually adhere to or, or come to grips with? And did mm. it require, you mentioned 10 months, was that a an important part of the process that it allowed you to evolve over a period of time rather than just doing a intensive weekend or something yes. like that. Yes. So the the whole program ran for, like I said, 10 months with a number of different touch points. And in the middle of the of that of the time frame we had a four day um, retreat down in Serpentine um, on the land. Um, we had Dr. Noel Nanup. He came and he, you know, spent some time there with us. We sort of sat around the fireplace, shared stories and um, that kind of thing. But basically the whole concept is around Theory U. 
Otto Sharma, who's coined Theory U. In a nutshell, it's basically a listening journey that kind of follows a U-curve where on the left-hand side of the U, you're spending time observing, listening, and just taking account of things. When you come to the bottom of the U, at midpoint, that's where you're sitting with everything that you have seen, heard, felt. And then you, you, as you sit with it, you, you, you see this future emerging. And as you see the future emerging, you start prototyping. And you prototype and you prototype until you get to the desired uh, place you want to be. I feel I was a prototype in Elias. I was prototyping me while I was doing this journey. So before doing Elias, and I'm sure you've heard this this term, you know, you kind of have to go up to the dance floor to see what's happening. I used to always wonder what that meant. What does it actually mean you've got to go up to the dance floor? I, I understand you've got to go up, raise yourself up, you know, to be able to see the whole picture. But I still, when I, when I did Elias, I realised that when I used to think about that phrase, I used to think about it in terms of, oh, I have to physically now remove myself, go up to the dance floor. It's not that. This, this, is a, this listening space and observing space is an aspirational space. So you have to actually practice this every day. And it, 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 you cultivate it by being mindful, by spending time with yourself, by self-care by learning how to hold yourself so that you can hold space for others, uh, by learning how to listen. And it's not just with your ears, it's with your eyes, it's with, with, it's with all your senses. So that was the part that I kind of realised that, oh, and even as I think about strategic thinking and going up to the balcony and all of this sort of stuff, I'm still thinking about it in an operational way. This showed me the other side of it. It was like an aha moment for me. It was... Going through that 10-month um, journey, I can't pinpoint a time when I felt, oh, I got it, but obviously I did at some point in time. Um, and I felt each, each touch point with the program incrementally grew me to this point. And I felt, I suppose if I can like, if I can give you an example from my faith experience, in the Bible there's a story about Bartholomew, he's a blind guy, he's sitting by the side of the road and he's calling out, to Jesus who's walking past and he's saying, please make me well, make me well, make me see. And Jesus ignores him and keeps going. And anyway, at some point he calls out really strongly and says, son of David, please come and help me. So Jesus stops and he says, come, come over. And he runs across to him. But it's not the running. It's what he does before he goes to him. He stands up and before he walks across to Jesus, he throws off this old cloak he's been wearing. And I felt Elias for me at one moment in time, I remember sitting there I felt, I felt like I was Bartholomew in the story. And, and as I sat there in the group and we were talking about, they were actually asking us about how this journey has been up to, up to now. What, and that's the first thing that came into my head. I just thought, oh, my God, I feel like him. I feel like this cloak is, um, I've taken off this cloak. That is the old cloak. I don't need it anymore. And that doesn't mean I'm, and today what you see, I'm absolutely new. I'm, of course, I've got elements of the old Neverlane. But I just felt like I had, I had shed something. You find that many of us have had those aha moments, those, uh, and sometimes, as you say, they actually creep up on you mm. and you realise you're in a different space after a period of time. What do you do on a daily basis? And I don't need to know the mm. exact things that mm. you do, but what do you allow yourself 
And how do you check yourself to make sure you do allow yourself the time and space to make sure that you're um, adhering to some of these new ways? Mm. Firstly, I always remember to give gratitude. That's an important thing for me. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think is, oh, I'm breathing. I'm so thankful. I feel well. I'm so thankful. Because that just brings me back to centre, brings me back to I've got another day. How much of that comes from your original strength of your faith or is it being amplified through things like the Elias program? Amplified, yeah. Certainly, yeah, the gratitude piece, you know, uh, is through my faith. But, but it, yes, I feel Elias is now that amplification that influences there even when I'm not thinking about it. it. It's sort of sitting under my skin. Yes, I have to be deliberate in doing certain things, otherwise I'll lose it. But, you know, trying to remain curious and trying to ask questions why and trying to not jump to conclusions, I think I'm doing them more often and probably a little bit better now. I can get a lot better, but I'm probably doing more of it without thinking as much about it. So personally, we are often influenced and are able to, in our own mind, control certain situations that we're in or that we actually do have control over. How do you go in the workplace when you're either in a situation that you're not controlling or it is quite random and it's very difficult to uh, get in control or feel like you're, you're, you're in the moment? Do you see that very often and how do you try to bring that situation into the moment where it works better for you? So the first thing I'll say, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to be in a workplace where deep listening and emerging futures is the way leaders think. It's, it's our default position. But yes, there are definitely times where you're going against, racing against time when competing priorities and you 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 get into that space of forced, you know, what you're calling the forced um, sort of situation. It's interesting because someone said to me the other day, I said, oh, I haven't been sleeping very well. And they said, are you stressed? And I stopped and I thought and I said, actually, I don't think I get stressed. And they said, what do you mean you don't get stressed? And I said, aren't you busy? I said, yeah, I've got lots of business. But I actually, Tony, truly don't get stressed about anything. Because I believe whether you want to call it the universe or God or the spirit or whatever it is, it's taken care of. I, I just have to put one foot in front of the other and I can only see the bit that's lit up in front of me. I can work with that. So I, I try and bring myself back to that position to say, this is what's lit up in front of me, this is what I'm going to work with and try to bring people on that journey with me because if I try and... It, it's about this hurry slowly thing. It's about hurrying slowly. Yes, there are things that operationally that I have to do and get it done, That that's fine. But I try and bring myself back always to remembering if I'm, if I'm fighting against that force, it's counterproductive to the listening and the emerging future because if, if I'm trying to create a future here of my own, it's just not going to happen because I'm not, allowing, I'm not allowing myself to sense and see the future. 
and to sense and see what's around me to be able to get to that place. So yes, I have to be deliberate and and most times it's of an evening when I'm sitting there and if I've had a big day, I'll, I'll be sitting there just trying to bring myself back to centre, even having two minutes of closing my eyes and just not doing anything. You mentioned other people and bringing them along with in the journey. That's obviously a really difficult thing in life. Mm. People become invested in their own thoughts, their own mm. ideas, their own way of living. Do you find when you're in a situation with people that are doing things that may be counterproductive to the way that you operate, mm. how do you deal with that? And has the Elias thinking got a solution to that? Yes. So when I see... I encounter someone who's doing something differently, like you say, I always, I'll ask them why they're doing it that way because there might be a very good reason for them to be doing it that way. And and I open a, I open sort of a, a bit of a dialogue with them. And quite often people will come into my office and I'll on my whiteboard I'll say, I'll, I'll draw them the Elias curve and I'll talk about the deep listening. And they, they will get enchanted because it's about starting to, it's, it's when you're in the generative listening space it's almost like you're dreaming together. So you, you get them into a converse and, and you know what? You have to give them permission to take the time to do that. If, if you're the one saying to them, no, you've got to get this done and you've, you've got to, why are you doing it that way? Do it my way, it's quicker. It, it, they don't, I know that has to be done and there's always going to be that tension between, that, between the listening and the slow and the hurry slowly and the, but I have to get this done. But as leaders, if we give our people the permission to actually step through the process and take the time. And if we are there walking it with them, that in itself gives them the permission to do it. Because you have to walk a journey with them to show them how to do it because they don't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it until I was immersed on the lice and it's, like, and it's well, this is amazing. Um, and for me, you know, I work in the educational sector. So I feel I have the ability to indirectly influence a whole two campus full of people, students. Because as I work with the staff on these journeys and show them that way, maybe that filters out into the classroom in the way of thinking. And then we, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but now we are starting to all think in a way that we're starting to create generations of people who are comfortable with this way of thinking. I've got a question that leads on directly from that. We often find that it's, Easy to coach people in the workplace, mm. easy to mentor people who excite us with their ideas. How do you go instilling some of these thoughts into family members mm. who your love for them is often, well, is the first point of connection? Mm. And do you have, you know, I mean, some of us have greater aspirations for the ones that we love Mm. and expectation. Have you found any challenges Mm. in in your personal space with your family? Yes, I have, you know, with my kids. I try to apply the same thinking about holding. I think it's about holding that person in the place at which they are at, not the place at which I'm at. And that's all I can do. And as I hold them, it's not about judging them. 
or saying I'm holding them because I want to show them my way so they can change. It is simply that, just holding them in their space at the position they are at. And again, employing that generative listening with them so that you actually, and this takes time, doesn't happen tomorrow, so that you're actually over that journey, you are dreaming together. You might find, actually, you've now converted to their way of thinking because that's what quite often will happen. In holding someone, we, we have to allow them to be, be themselves, not be who, who I want them to be because that's not the point of holding them. However, holding space with someone also means that in that space, if you see some things that are counterproductive for them, that you point them out to them. But let them arrive at that journey of what to do or not to do decision-making themselves. I found if you're in that space of dreaming and learning and listening together, magic happens. Oh, I love that magic happens. You know, that's one of my favourite sayings. <laughs> and that's an, an interesting point to start to wind up this conversation because finding magic, finding that place, that outcome, when you've been holding space with others is often not predictable. The other thing I didn't mention in this, in this, when I said when you're holding someone, you're holding them where they're at. To be able to do that, you actually have to see them first. You have to see the place they're at before you can hold them because that's an important thing. If you, if you can't see that, you're just not going to be able to get there. Do you think when the magic happens and you've landed at a place that may not have been something that you predicted, something that you anticipated, but it is a beautiful moment. Do you wonder how you can replicate that? Or do you feel that there's this cycle that you go back to thinking again and, and moving to the next level all the time? And how do you cope with that? Because is it this generative ongoing evolution, does that become frustrating? Or is it just the excitement of trying to wait for some more magic to appear? So it's the, it's the second one. It's, it's I, I never, when the magic happens, I never think, ooh, how did that happen? How do I do again? Because I'm too, when it's happened, you're in the joy of that moment that, oh my goodness, it's happened. And I think if you then go back and say, how did that happen? And how can I create it again? Now you're going back to operational. You're not thinking in the aspirational space. And you're not, the three things that Elias taught me is that open heart, open will, and open mind. If you, if you can keep open heart, open will, open mind, and you go through a journey, magic happens, you celebrate the magic, and you just keep going again. So it's this generative space. And I find as you go, as you develop, the only thing you want to be conscious about is not about the steps to create the magic, but just the steps of listening, of curiosity. That's the only thing I'm, I feel I need to be conscious about and keep doing. And every time you step into, to, like you said, the next piece of, piece of work or flow, you, you kind of get into this rhythm. And you find almost you, not that you get better and better at it because each, each thing is unique, but it's it's... It kind of just happens. It happens and it happens and you kind of wonder, oh, how, how did that happen? Oh, okay. I must have been in that space. It's, it's flow. It, you just flow. I've got one final question around this. 
when you look at the rest of the world and some of the craziness of the rest of the world, how do you mentally comprehend that and reconcile that? And Or do you just have to go, I turn a blind eye to some of those things that I have no control over? I think if I turned a blind eye to those things that I have no control over, it wouldn't be right. It, it's not me. And I, I'm saying that, you know, fully cognizant that I can't go and fix because some things are above my pay grade. <laughs> so, and some of the wicked problems of the world, well, I can't, you know, it takes a movement to do and years to do that. But I can't, I can't keep a blind eye to those things because, well, that defeats the purpose of listening and, and I'm kind of out of the world. I'm, I think there's an energy in the world that we are not the only people active in this world. You know, there's a spirit, there's a universe, there's, 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 there's stuff going on around us that, you know, people call it coincidence. I don't think it's coincidence. There's a force out there that needs us all to be working in a certain way that then puts us into harmony with each other. And so we can't be blind to the, well, I feel I can't be blind to those external things, albeit I can't actively do anything about it, but I can do something small. And the thing I can do is show other people um, what I've learned in Elias. Now it's up to them to receive it or not receive it. So that's all I can do. Well, Nev, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Often on Max's Island, we get people that tell a specific story about what has happened to them at a particular time in their life. And there's a very definite outcome. Our conversation today has taken us to a little bit more of a high level of spiritual and emotional and also intellectual juggling. And I find that uh, that's been unbelievably stimulating. I hope the listeners have found it that way as well. I think today's episode is one that probably needs a couple of listens Mm. with an opportunity to pause, think, reflect and hold the moment and think about some of the things that have been said. Because I think that's where the real value in what you have said will be for our listeners. So thanks very much for posing some interesting concepts, creating an environment for thinking and most importantly, being so open with your emotions, your feelings about how that program has really positively impacted on your life. So thanks for being on Max's Island. Thanks, Tony. Enjoyed it. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan, a short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track.
His mind was as clear 